Hi. Welcome to the Tree Leaf Jazz House. So, uh, what separates this book from Thelonious' book? I had to get that put in somewhere. Well, talent and an ear for music and an understanding of how to play the piano. That's what separates me from Thelonious Monk and John Coltrane and all the rest of the jazz greats. You know, in this, I'm going to tell you a little bit about my, about my background. Old Jundo comes from a musical family. I mean, a serious one. My uncle is a symphony conductor. He used to be Leonard Bernstein's assistant with the New York Philharmonic. My sister is a professional jazz dancer who was on Broadway for a long time, and my mother was a jazz singer from the 1950s. They're not famous or anything, but those people know music. And me? I have a tin ear. I'm the black sheep of the family. That's true. But maybe, maybe, even though I can't play two notes on the piano or uh, tune a guitar, maybe, maybe something, something let me recognize music a little bit growing up in the house I did. And that has helped me a lot with understanding Master Dogen. You see, like a lot of you, the first hundred times I read Dogen, I'd get little bits and pieces and sometimes it would kind of make sense. And then at other times, man, that guy would lose me. It was a lot like the first time I heard John Coltrane. To the untrained ear, John Coltrane sounds like noise. What is that guy doing? What is Dogen doing? But as the ear becomes attuned, and there's a little understanding to what the jazz musician is doing, it starts to become clear. It starts to make sense. Perhaps not a sense here, but a sense in the bones. I dig Coltrane now, even though I can't play a piano two licks. When I hear it, when I look at his face as he's playing, I feel, you know, Coltrane was a very religious man, not Buddhist, but he was a spiritual, spiritual fellow. His, his greatest tune is called The Love Supreme, and this is his version of his prayer to God. He let loose on that sax to express not some complicated theology that was in his head, but well, he felt in his toes, in his bones. And I think Dogen was the same way. Dogen was a brilliant man. But he was brilliant in a few ways. He was brilliant for his encyclopedic knowledge of Buddhist and Zen literature. That man knew koans and knew the sutra stories to such a degree that he was a, a kind of walking library and to this day scholars are still digging up obscure references that Dogen made to, to Cohen and Sutra stories that uh, have long been forgotten. But Dogen didn't just stop there. Dogen was a Buddhist teacher and he was reading the sutras and the koans and the other great Buddhist and Zen writings and he was encountering the same things that 
all Buddhists encounter the Four Noble Truths, impermanence, non-self, Buddha nature, the Dharmakaya, all these uh, Buddhist concepts. That's kind of the, shall we say, if it's jazz, the, the kind of standard tunes, the square, squaresville music. And then he was taking it in and blowing it out on his horn. He was bending time. He was syncopating rhythms. He was twisting things around, turning, turning the upside down, right side up, and the right side up, upside down, to express and re-express, to bend and straighten and re-bend again. And in doing so, he didn't leave the standard tune, but he brought new life to it, new expression, just like Coltrane does. I put up a link to Coltrane playing a Squaresville song, a lovely song in its own right, from The Sound of Music. You remember that song? What is it? Chestnuts and roses and pink lace curtains. These are a few of my favorite things. You remember that? One of my favorite movies, by the way. But Coltrane didn't leave it there. His version went. And he brought new life, new vision to this same old song. The single jewel turning in the sun constantly reveals new facets. You see, and Dogen discovered endless new fa facets in these teachings by playing jazz. He's a jazz musician. And I'm going to say something sacrilegious in the maybe in the Soto world. I don't think that Dogen always knew what Dogen meant. Not in the kind of logical way. Dogen was expressing anymore. I don't think that Coltrane knew what Coltrane meant by a particular note he was hitting. It was the sound. The sound that would vibrate from here to the end of time. Let me give you an example here. Uh, I'm going to put this up on the blog. So, you know, basic concept of Buddhism. You have Buddha nature. What is Buddha nature? Let's just say, in the Squaresville way, it's your potential to become Buddha. It's your inner Buddha. And we usually say, you have Buddha nature. Dogen, in the simplest little change he made, he, he played with the word, he started to say, you are Buddha nature. And then he wanted to express maybe something like, all things are Buddha nature, including Buddhas and, and sentient beings. And uh, that it's this wonderful, deep interconnection of Buddha nature. Okay? That's the basically maybe what he wanted to say. But how did Dogen blow his horn? Well, by saying something like this, when, when he talks about the, the world honored one, that's the Buddha, right? So Dogen says, what is the essential point of the world honored one saying, all living beings in their entirety have the Buddha nature? 
one speaks of living beings, sentient beings, or the multitude of beings, or the multitude of types, the, the term entirety of being refers to living beings, the multitude of beings. That is, the entirety of being is the Buddha nature, one entirety of the entirety of being is called living beings. At this very moment, the interior and the exterior of living beings is the entirety of being of the Buddha nature. Skip a couple lines. We should realize that the being that is here made the entirety of being by the Buddha nature is not the being of being and non-being. The entirety of being is the word of the Buddha, the tongue of the Buddha, the eyes of the Buddha and ancestors, the nose of the patch road monk. Further, the entirety of being is not initial being, not original being, not marvelous being. How much less is it conditioned being or deluded being? It has nothing to do with the likes of mind and object, nature and attribute. Therefore, the circumstance... Blah, blah, blah. Now, there's a lot of traditional, standard Buddhist concepts in there. Things like uh, original being and uh, mind and object, nature and attribute. There's a lot of standard to Buddhist philosophy in there. But what Dogen is doing, as you can tell, is jazzing it up jazzing it up. So my advice to you to really understand Dogen is to hear it like jazz music. Hear the sound that Dogen was trying to express knowing that at the same time he was trying to express a lot of standard views of the Mahayana Buddhism. He was a Mahayana Buddhist. He was a Zen Mahayana Buddhist. Okay? My own teacher, Nishijima, spent years trying to understand Dogen and he felt it in his heart and he came up with a, a system to express but I think in Nishijima's case too he tried to make Nishijima Roshi tried to make Dogen presentable in, in a sense of Western philosophy and he did a very good job of it but I think you have to hear that Dogen was not only a walking encyclopedia of Buddhism he was a wordsmith he was a poet he was a literary man who appreciated the sound of words. A lot of it, if you look at the Japanese and what Dogen was doing, he was playing with the kanji, looking at double and triple entendres, and making uh, puns with the sound, and reversing the different Chinese characters just playfully, just to get a different uh, sound out of it. Anyway, Dogen is culture. <laughs> if it's too late for piano lessons. Anyway, shall we sit with that? I'll just hit the little piano here three times. <laughs>